It's a good question, huh? Great question. Good question. Very good. Well, uh, it is good to see everybody today, huh? Good to see everybody today. Uh, my name is Jim Franks. I'm one of the pastors here. And the big guy is not here. He is away down south, way down south uh, today, along with the team. And I got a message. Some of us probably got this as well. But uh, Pastor Tim uh, and the team said, Jim, please pray for the DR ministry team. For those of you who don't know, we have sent a ministry team into the Dominican Republic. They are here. They're there this week. And he said, uh, they, have, they have arrived in Juan Tomas to attend church and serve food and pray in the local village homes today. So please be in prayer for the team as they are doing their business um, down south. So I'd like to welcome everybody here as well as everybody online. It's great to have everybody here on a beautiful, uh, sunny Sunday morning. Uh, sunny someplace else, not here. Well, at least it wasn't when I got here. Um, hey, did anybody notice when you walked in that the porch outside looked a little different? Yes. So big thanks to Mr. Don Wiles. I think I saw him right over here. Big thanks, Don. Did a great job this week. Put a lot of hours in painting that porch area. So thanks, Don, for all the hard work that you did this week. Okay. How many of you guys use Gross Gene Road down here by Worcester Products? How many of you get frustrated with Gross Gene Road down here by Worcester Products? Yes, there is not, when, you're, when we're driving and trying to get someplace on this side of town, there's not anything more irritating than to try to get on that road and to find out that it is closed. Because either there's been a half an inch of rain and the whole thing is washed out, or they're doing something there that, very, very irritating. Um, I want to play a little game with us this morning, and it's an if-then game. The if-then game is this. If I would have known that Gross Gene Road would have been open, I would have. Right. Okay, so we got some more of these. If I knew the Browns were ever going to be good, I would. <laughs> Jesse's not smiling. If I knew that I was going to receive a $10,000 a year raise, I would. More smiles with that one. Yes, more smiles with that one. Now let's get a little bit more realistic. If I knew there was an accident up by the gas station exiting church today, I would. How many of you were in your mind, your little GPS was already starting to reroute? to get out and around to go another direction. Yes. If I knew that I had three years to live, I would. Because if we were basing our decision-making process on things that we are assured of, on things that we are assured of, life becomes so much more predictable. Correct? If I know, if I know that I've got three years to live, there are certain things that I know that I want to get done in that three-year time. If I know that the road's closed, I know which direction I'm going to go to get where I need to be. Last week, uh, Pastor Tim took us to Hebrews chapter 11. So I want to take a look there again, and TV is, is, TV is not on. <laughs> okay, so... Um, Thank you. 
Have the slides been loaded? If the slides have not been loaded, my morning is going to get a whole lot better because I don't have to use this thing. Are we going to say no? You get it. Whiteboard. Yeah, that's my kind of technology. Okay, while Isaac is doing that, let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. If you've got your Bibles, this would be a great time to open up to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. When we, read our, uh, when we read our scriptures, we like to stand in honor of God's word being read. So let's stand and, not there, let's stand and read Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. It says this, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Our Father, we are so grateful that you are a God who is powerful enough to lead us, that we can place our confidence in, God, I pray that as we go about this morning, uh, that you would help us to recognize, that you would help us to recognize just how powerful you are, and you would help us to recognize um, what your influence in our lives really mean. So we give you this time, God, we give you our thoughts, we give you our emotions, we give you uh, all of ourselves. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. There are a couple things, oh great, there are a couple things that Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1 through 3 tells us. And as, as, as I was looking over that this, this week, uh, this just really stood out for me. Um, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Think about the idea of confidence and assurance. What things in life are you absolutely 100% completely confident in and living in assurance in? What are those things? There's not a lot that we can completely have 100% confidence and assurance in. And yet, he says, faith is based on that. Faith is believing on something that we cannot see. And not just believing, but it is having confident assurance in something that we can't see. So, what does it mean to live with assurance and conviction of things that we cannot see. Well, I think it starts in the very first verse in our Bibles, in Genesis chapter one. In Genesis chapter one, verse one, we immediately have to make a decision. And the decision is based on, do I believe that in the beginning, 
God created the heavens and the earth. That's where our belief starts. Do do you, do I, do we have a confident assertion that that is actually how things went down? That God created the heavens and the earth. I th- so, uh, so if we accept that statement, then... Um, then what is also really interesting here is that God sure doesn't give a lot of the details, does he? He doesn't say, well, I did it this way. Well, it happened this way. These molecules came together and this was done this way. He doesn't do that. He, doesn't, he, does, not, he does not give a whole lot of the details. So be, if God doesn't explain the details, how important is that for us to live with a confident assurance that God created the heavens and the earth. If he didn't seem, if he didn't feel like it was important that we knew all the details, why do lots and lots of people have to know all the details? Why do we have to know? Well, it happened this way. Why is that so vital if the creator of the universe said, that's enough? You don't need to know anymore. So, we focus on what God wanted us to know. And what he wanted us to know is where? In the book. That's right. The book is what he wanted us to know. Focus on the book. Not bring things into the book. Not try to interpret the book the way that we want it to or based on what science teaches us now. He says, here's the book, read it, learn it, live by it, because it works. So if some of our questions are not explained, then perhaps we push them aside and concentrate on the answers that God chose to give us, that he did supply. So what did he tell us? So let's go back to Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2. What did he tell us? He said, do I have that on here? I do not. Was that the other way? Yes. So what did he tell us? He says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, there are some interesting things in here. What do we know? What do we know about this? There was a what? There was a beginning. Who do we know was there? God was there. Says so right there. Was God created? No, because God did what? He created. That's right. That's right. The creator could not have been created doesn't work that way he had to start it when there was and what was there nothing at the beginning nothing zero the earth was what does it say empty formless darkness 
there was zero. Now, how do finite minds understand nothing? We can't, because all we know is stuff. We cannot understand a, an existence where there is no matter, no nothing. We don't understand that because our minds weren't created there. So we keep going along here. There was darkness over the surface of the deep. What in the world was the deep? He doesn't explain. It must have been the nothing and the formlessness and the void. But the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, wait a minute. Either there's matter or there's nothing, right? Because it says there's waters. So what's the waters? Very interesting. So what do we know? We know God was present. And really, really interesting, the Hebrew word for God right here is the word Elohim. Elohim is a plural word. It's plural. Which means, now does that mean that there are other gods that we should worship? No, but it means that our God has how many forms? Three. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The whole Godhead was present at the beginning. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Son was not created. The Son has always been. We learned that last week when Pastor Tim took us through John chapter 1 because it says in the beginning was what? The Word, the word and the Word was God and the Word is God. And he was where? With God when? In the beginning. Jesus has always been as the word. What does that mean? What is a word? How is a word a person? Good stuff, huh? Isn't it great to know that we have a God that we cannot understand? Because why would we want to worship a God that we can completely understand? We can, we can, well, we can't completely understand each other, but we can understand a lot about each other. There's a lot about God we will never understand, which is why he is so far above us, which is why we worship him. Because there's parts of him that we will not understand until we're standing in front of him after we die. So we come back to this waters thing. So what's this waters thing? Well, very, very interestingly, as you work through the Old Testament and even into the New Testament, there's a the waters tends to be a really cool metaphor that talks about like whenever, when, uh, well, I shouldn't say whenever, but there's a lot of times where, they, where the Israelites or the people of God would bump up against water. And water is just tends to be this place of danger, this chaos, um, we see that oftentimes uh, throughout both the Old Testament and the New Testament. So what do we see in the beginning? We see nothing, we see void, we see chaos, we see everything is empty except God is hovering over the face of whatever this nothingness is. God is there. When there is no order, there is chaos. There is no order at the beginning. There is nothing. And then 
God said. And then God spoke. Just like, just like Pastor Tim said last week, Jesus was not created. He has always been. In the midst of nothingness and formless and void, God spoke. And as soon as he spoke, what happened? That ca we can't imagine the burst of creative energy that flowed from the mouth of God. And he said, what? Let there be light. And then there was light out of nothingness. The power of God that comes in his voice. Yeah, we already did that one. So, our next fill in the blank, the word of God created matter from the void. I remember, uh, how many of you guys had one of those teachers that had very powerful voice when you were in school? Mine was Mr. DeVries. Mr. DeVries was a ninth grade algebra teacher. And uh, for those of us that are a little bit older, do you remember those desks that we had that was like a one piece? You had the top and they had the metal thing that come down and your chair and it was all one piece. I remember Mr. DeVries was teaching algebra. My best buddy, Matt, he was sitting over here. <laughs> I will never forget where he was sitting. He was sitting right there. And Mr. DeVries was trying to help him understand how to multiply letters and get numbers. Matt was not getting it. So, he, so Matt gave an answer. No, that's not right. Try again. So he gave another answer. No, that's not right. Try again. By the third time Matt had given up, he slams his pencil down. He said, I'm not going to get it. Mr. DeVries was about 6'4". He was the varsity basketball coach, and he was a monster. He walks up to Matt, picks up his desk with Matt in the desk, and said, nobody gives up in my classroom. Boom. The power of the voice of God spoke through Mr. DeVries, into, and Matt got really motivated. Now, I, th I look back at that, and that still scares me. <laughs> but, but, the voice of Mr. DeVries is nothing compared to the voice of someone that could speak into nothingness and create matter. How does that work? The explosion of the power of God and the formless void begins to take shape. Order begins Chaos begins to diminish. Light is differentiated from darkness. So let's keep on, let's keep on rolling here. In verses, let's start in verse three. Go down verses three through five. Is that in here? Sure it is. Okay. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Now, what's the light? Is this the sun? D does it say anything about a sun? No. What is this light? I don't know. But God said it and it was there. So he goes on. 
The sky is separated from the waters below. God separated the land from the oceans. He caused vegetation to grow in the land. Which, now, so which is also interesting. This isn't on here. But look, into, look down into verse 12. Uh, in uh, Genesis 1:12, the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. God was very specific when he created, he created strawberries, and he created oak trees, and he created ivy vines, and he created green beans. And he spoke each of these individually into existence because it said they were created according to their kind, which means what didn't happen? Evolution. Randomness. It, what, this is not random. He made all of the plants according to their kind. Says so right there. He didn't create grass that turned into green beans. It didn't happen that way. It happens if we, if we choose to go back to what it said in, in, um, in Hebrews chapter 11 that said our hope, our conviction, our beliefs are based on stuff we can't see, which is from the word of God. If this is what we're gonna believe, he says how he did it. It was made according to its kind individually. God took care to make each of these things individually. So then he goes on. God created the heavenly bodies, stars, planets, moons, etc. At this point, time begins. Seasons began. The rotation of the earth around the sun. All of this, by the power of God's word, God is bringing order out of chaos by his power and by his plan. Not by random God spoke planets. God spoke stars. God spoke the sky. He separated the land from the waters just by his words. This is the God that we worship. This is the God that we are choosing to live our lives based on trusting him. The only being that can speak and create something out of nothing that can create order out of chaos. This is who we worship. And he goes on. God created the fish and the birds. Then he made the land animals. So let's skip right down here to chapter 1, verse, let's start in 21, verse 21. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing which the water te- with which the water teems according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. Once again, God created each one of these things individually according to its kind. God made each individual bird. God made every single animal that is in the ocean. He made them. We see it right there. Wasn't random. He took care and created each one. And this makes a really big difference as to what we believe. Whether life is random or whether it is of an intelligent design. Because if God had an intelligent design just for the, for the animals, who else did he have an intelligent design for? For us. 
And it's really, really important then that we get in touch with the intelligent designer. They didn't evolve. It was not random. At the end, then, God created man and woman in his image. The only creation that was made in the image of God is us. That's it. We were the crowning end of God's creation because we were made in the image of God. Yeah, we already did that. Okay, so let's move into then, uh, look, let's look at uh, verses 26 through 28. And yes. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. Once again, we see the plural form. God is, why God is talking to himself? We don't know. But God is saying, we Father, Son, Holy Spirit will make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And then, and then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This was something, uh, something else that Pastor Tim hit on last week um, is that uh, Adam and Eve had a purpose even back then in that next fill in the blank, we all have responsibilities to care for each of our sections of the world around us. God really likes work. We may not, but God really likes work because he worked, he created, and he desires us to do the same thing, to work and to create. I would suggest that this is more than just an origin story, that, that, uh, that uh, Genesis chapter one is more than just an origin story because some of the wordings in here are just too coincidental with, uh, with other parts of the scriptures. In the midst of chaos and nothingness and void, where did it say God was? What was he doing? He was hovering over these chaos waters. That's where, that's where God was. He was hovering over these chaos waters. Can you think of any other place where we see God hovering over the chaos waters? Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 14. When we go to Matthew chapter 14, there were some very, very powerful things 
that happened. If you start in the very first part of, of, of chapter 14, um, uh, Jesus' uh, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, was beheaded. Um, uh, John the Baptist was the one, as maybe some of us know, John went before Jesus, and he was the one that was letting everybody know Jesus is going to come. God's expected is going to come. Well, uh, John the Baptist is arrested. He is, he's killed. And, uh, and so now Jesus is dealing with the, with the, the, the tragedy of this kind of chaos that is happening within the church at that point because this amazing leader has just been murdered. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of heavy emotions that are happening within the believers at that time. Then, right after that, um, Jesus does this thing, it's Passover, so Jesus uh, gets all the people together, there's the 5,000 people, and, um, and you know, the little kid comes up, the bread and the fish, divides it up, feeds 5,000 plus people with a couple loaves of bread and a couple fish. Jesus is proving, just, Jesus just proved in front of all of these people, as well as in front of the disciples, that he is in fact God because he just, he just did a miracle that none of them could do. He divided all this little bit of food up and fed everybody there. He, and then it says, as you get down, as you get past that little section there, we get into verses 22 through 26. It says this, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. The chaos waters were in the process of, of killing the disciples. They're out there in a boat. The waters are storm. It's a mess. The word of God comes hovering out over the chaos waters and takes control. In the midst of the fear in the chaos of this storm, Jesus, the word of God, walks out onto the water. He's out on the water. And this isn't on here, but he's out on the water and the, the disciples cry out, it's a ghost. We go back to Genesis 1. Who did it say was hovering over the face of the waters? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Word of God shows up on top of the waters here. The disciples are in the boat. Do you remember what Peter said? Do you remember what Peter said? If, if it's you, what? Tell me to come out of the boat. The rest of the disciples are like, not going out there. 
Peter wants to go out on the water. So he says, if that's you, let the word of God tell me to get out of my boat. The boat was a place of safety. They were holding on to that boat for their lives. The spirit, the word of God did not need a boat because he was ruling over creation. The word of God was ruling over creation, not just at the beginning to bring creation into existence. The, the word of God was ruling over creation in the chaos waters of the boat of the storm. He says, Peter, come. Peter gets out of the boat. What did it say? We go back to Genesis 1. What did it say was the, um, what was the, what, what is our purpose? Do you remember what it said? What did God give us a job to do? To rule and to subdue the earth. That is exactly what Peter did. Peter was walking on top of the water just like Jesus was. Peter was fulfilling the, the call that God has for him. It's the call that we all have. Doesn't mean we're all gonna get out and walk on top of the water, like physical waters. However, we all live through storms. The word of God brought order over chaos. The word of God walked on top of a storm this is the same word of God that calls us out of our safety boats to join him on top of whatever storms we have that go on in our lives. We see it. It's all through here. Doesn't matter what chaos is a part of your lives. It doesn't matter what you're going through. The word of God subdues every storm. And he calls us to walk with him on top of the storm. Father, Son, Holy Spirit calls us to walk with him on top of whatever storm that we've got going on in our lives. And we have the same authority because who, if, we're, if we have accepted Jesus into our life, he's inside of us. We have the same authority that he had because the Holy Spirit is inside of us. Folks, we can do this. This is what we are called. This is not like the exception. This is how we're supposed to live our lives with this authority, the same authority that the word of God had. Because he said, even you will do greater things than I've done because I'm going to the Father because I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit to be inside of us. We get to do the same things. If we are choosing to live with our faith as our assurance not a, not a like flip a coin and hope, well, maybe God will be with me today. That's not, that's not what he said, that how we are supposed to live. We base our faith, we base our hope, we base our conviction, and we base all of that on the power of God who said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the God that we worship and we, are, we either get to choose to live in obedience and in the power of this God, or we can choose to just tap out and hope that God will be there. 
That's not faith. That's not a faith in the God of the Bible who we have committed to if we've asked Jesus into our lives. Are you walking on top of whatever storm that you've got going on right now? Or the waves swamping you? The power of God invites us to hover over the chaos waters in our lives. And a lot of those chaos waters have to do with our emotions. How we're feeling in the midst of that. We get to choose to release the grip on whatever our safety boats are. If our safety boats have to do with our relationships with other people, if our safety boats have to do with a bottle that we're drinking out of or uh, a package of things that we're smoking, whatever those safety boats that we have are, God invites us to let go of those and to learn how to trust him to walk on top of whatever chaos waters are in our lives. It starts, though, with choosing to begin a relationship. How do you have a relationship with a God like this? A lot of us see this God like Mr. DeVries. What's the matter with you? Because that's maybe what we grew up with. That's what we grew up being taught, that God is harsh and God is cruel and God is, that's not the God that we see here. When Peter started to go down, I gotcha. The same invitation that the word of God gave to the disciples, he gives to all of us. And that's come and follow me. And that's what we get to do. We get to follow him. And the God who loves us like crazy is, is offering that invitation to us all the time. So uh, we've got, today is Communion Sunday. We love Communion Sunday. So what we're gonna do is I'm gonna say a little prayer for us and lead us into communion. When I'm done praying, then, um, uh, then we'll go ahead and start communion. Uh, our, uh, our usher guys, they're gonna, uh, they'll let you know when you can, uh, when you can come up uh, ear to either the tables up here or the tables in back, so just follow their, uh, their leadership. Um, uh, so you know, uh, the, our bread is gluten-free so that everybody can uh, participate. We've got uh, juice up here. The whole symbolism of communion is that Jesus gave his life for us. And he said, if you, are to, uh, if you were to follow me, then it is like choosing to eat. Uh, um, he said his, his body was like a loaf of bread. And as we eat this loaf of bread, we're to remember every time, we're to remember what Jesus did for us. We take that bread into our mouth and we drink this juice. The juice represents his, his blood that was shed for us. Every time we take that into our body, we're to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. So I'm gonna go ahead and pray and then uh, and guys will we'll pick up and they'll let you know um, uh, where you can go and get uh, communion. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you are a God who, um, who loves us, but also you are a God of infinite power.
how we can understand such infinite power alongside such amazing gentleness. That's just not the picture that we see in the world around us. And so we are grateful that this is who you are. We are grateful that you are a God that we can't completely understand. And so God, I pray that for each one of us, as we are, um, as we are learning more and more to trust you, then Father, I pray that you would help us uh, by speaking to us, that you would allow us to hear your voice, allow us to sense your direction in our lives. Lord, we give you, uh, we give you all of ourselves today. Um, so accept, accept the sacrifice that we have for you, which is our lives to you. In your name we pray, amen.